Welcome to the Conduit Deeper Podcast, a podcast that takes a deep dive into the details that surround our current sermon series. From current events to fascinating finds to conversations that take us deeper into the Word. Thanks for joining us. Welcome to our Deeper Podcast. My name is Mo, Executive Pastor at Conduit Church. Joined with our lead pastor, Darren Tyler, and this week, our good friend and Bible teacher, Donna Van Leer, has joined us again. Welcome, friends. Hi, Donna. We're glad to have Donna back, man. When, when they get to hard chapters, Donna comes in and does the heavy lifting for us, which I really appreciate you doing. And this episode's a little bit different because it's, in, in a sense, a bit of a pre-podcast. This is the prequel. The prequel. Is that what they're called? Oh, technically, yeah, kind of, because we this is going to be for about uh, Revelation 21, which we ha- which hasn't been taught yet on a Sunday, yeah. but will this coming Sunday. Yeah, because this chapter is so fat and juicy mm. that it's going to require two meals, not one. You know, like when you get to the steakhouse and you think, man, I'll never get through all this steak. Yeah. But then you, th- then you think, but I'll have lunch tomorrow. <laughs> You're going to have two. There's yes. going to be dinner tonight, and there will be lunch next Tuesday as well, and it'll taste amazing. Yeah, so this is this is what today is. This is what this podcast will be, kind of a setup, a bit of an intro, and we'll cover kind of the themes of Revelation 21, and uh, Darren will be teaching this this coming Sunday, and so that podcast, that uh, teaching will drop Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening, and everybody will be synced back up come this next week. It's going to be very good. I'm actually... What would you say the central theme of 21 is? Hope, 21? hope, 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 hope. And more hope. Hope. And more hope, yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is... Um, so I have this vivid memory of being a child and the neighbor lady across the street named Diana Covey. Um, her her uh, son, Troy Covey, was my best friend. We got into all kinds of mischief later in life. But I remember her, I, golly, I couldn't have been more than second or third grade. And she was, um, she drew a picture of uh, the New Jerusalem as the way that she understood it. I remember she used colored pencils. Um, I have to actually call Diana. That's really funny. Anyway, uh, so, but here's the thing. As, as wild as that was when I was two or third grade, second or third grade, um, it definitely captured some imagination. And I think that that imagination is what um, Tolkien talks about, that every great tale... Um, there's like this hope, there's something that, that transcends where you are, things that aren't human. You know, and we, we know Tolkien was a Christian writer, but he says that that is because there's some memory inside of us. He called it a memory of something that has not yet happened. Mm, I love that quote. And like, that's what this is. The imagery, you know, doesn't it doesn't like resonate a lot with someone like us here in a modern context, but the fact of the matter is, you know, John wrote this in AD 95, give or take, and he's writing about a new Jerusalem. So think about whatever city you're in for us, it's Nashville. Somebody bulldozes Nashville and then moves you to, I don't know, Little Rock. I'll do respect to my friends in Little Rock. It's not the greatest city. No. Um, I'll, you know, I'll say that. Well, I, I have a lot of good friends in Little Rock. Alton, Illinois, one of the <laughs> suburbs of St. Louis. <laughs> And it, it, like, like literally, no, like subjectively, whatever, you can say that Alton, Illinois is not a great city. So you're stuck in Alton knowing that what used to be in Nashville is gone. And so when he sees a new Jerusalem in his heart, in his mind, he sees that the city that God had promised David, that Jesus spoke about, the city that Jesus said he was going to return for, um, 
is he sees it still in it. And so there's hope in that for us because I think right now we all see in our own country, a country that we thought we had versus where we are. And so there's a lot of grieving that's gone on of what we thought. Um, but at some point we got to deal what John did, which is shake the dust off our feet, get over it and go be about our father's business. Right. That's the hope he's going to do this for us. So Donna, when you read this, I mean, honestly, so I said last week I was kind of regret. Revelation 20, almost every book we've ever done, there's a chapter in that book where I'm like, oh man, I'm just, when we get to that, that's going to be hard. That was Revelation 20 for me. But then there's also the chapter where I'm like, I'm excited about that one, can't wait to get to that one. And I would say it's a tie, first place, for 21 and 22. But when you read through this, I mean, is this, you think this is like the apex of uh, Revelation? Oh, chapter, this chapter 21? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, the, the early church leaders, they were actually looking for that new Jerusalem. Uh, Paul actually talked about it in Galatians 4, 26. He says, but the Jerusalem that is above is oh, yeah. free. He was looking, they were looking for it. Would, his, would Jerusalem have been destroyed at that point? It would not have been destroyed. No, yet. no, no. But, but I mean, yeah, but he, he knew. And then John in Revelation 3, in the very beginning of Revelation, he, he actually says, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from my God. Mm. So even he knew. he knew, he knew it was coming. The kingdom was coming. Yeah, because even though their city hadn't been physically bulldozed, mm -hmm. spiritually it had been pillaged. Right. Um, the Jerusalem that David founded... Uh, which our friend Zev Orenstein that we uh, had on the, uh, the show a few months ago, that city where David was is, by then it was physically still there, but it was spiritually, it, it was gone. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, they're looking for a new city. Um, and, and we do have to make the distinction that in, at the end of Revelation 20, when the false prophet and when the Antichrist are thrown into the lake of fire, uh, along with the wicked. Then in chapter 21, in verse 1, John says, then I saw. Mm. So it's taking place after the millennium, after the millennial Which kingdom. Which is an important distinction, right? Mm -hmm. How long do you think? So after the millennial kingdom, and then after for a short time, Satan is released... Mm -hmm. Which is that's the, when I say Revelation twenty, I don't like that chapter. Like I don't, I was that's the part that I'm like, oh, right. It's like at the end. It's like so we're here. We are in the prequel, of whatever this week. But that's in like the cliffhanger <laughs> for, for the next episode because it says for a short time. But nobody, I don't know how long a short time is. Like, right. What does that mean? Yeah, yeah. It was long enough apparently that like that the people that would gather and war against God's people would number as the sands of the sea. Mm -hmm. So that feels like a, a long time. Right. Mm -hmm. But whatever happens in that, this is like. Like we've fast forwarded, we've binged the whole thing, but we've skipped ahead to the, mm -hmm. to the end because this is the hope for it. Um, and did you talk? Uh, did you talk about how the people from the tribulation, those who survive, those who are overcomers, they'll walk into the millennial kingdom we, in their natural bodies. They'll just walk right into it, and they'll end up having children, which is, of course, you're still having children in your natural right. bodies. It's not. We're not, uh, they're not perfected at that point, so there comes the sin. Which, by the way, if you go to Jerusalem um, and you stand over uh, the mountain, I think it's the Mount of Olives, but where the, there's, a, there's a cemetery that faces the eastern gate. And, uh, and this is a Jewish cemetery full of Jewish people for over the centuries, I think. 
and all of them have their feet pointing towards the gate because they want to be facing that way when they are resurrected to walk into the gate. So they've thought this, this is not a new concept. Mm -hmm. This has been around and in the Jewish faith. They still believe that's what's going to mm -hmm. happen to them. So, mm. but just, I mean, what boggles my mind is that Jesus will be reigning. You'll have perfect reign, perfect rule, but still in people's hearts, there's the darkness. Yeah. Which what? is a fascinating right. thought, right? which is part of what, I want uh, we're going to talk about the Sunday and that is that the twofold nature of man right which is the darkness inside of us James mm -hmm. chapter 4 verse 1 why do you war amongst yourselves is it not you know inside of you this darkness inside of you and the problem with the idea that humans are evolving so what what revelation 21 is showing us is a future where we are now all going to live happily ever after Humanist secularists that believe that humans are progressing. We talked a little bit about the, the Great Reset last week. Um, we did. Which is human's idea of this. <laughs> Correct. And Mo, uh, in the spiritual gifts department, Mo is what we call a guardian in Romans 12, uh, which means... Uh, he is already thinking through all the things that can go wrong so that when we get there, he's already been there. <laughs> and this is like a guardian's dream slash nightmare at, yeah. the same time. <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> yeah, what are you coming up with this week, Mel? Oh, man. Well, I mean, hopefully, if, if you haven't had a chance to listen to last week's podcast, uh, I would encourage you to do so um, and get caught up on a few of the things that we talked about specifically about the WEF, the World Economic Forum, and for all intents and purposes, that agenda or that ideology is what is being used to, to push forward a, a new world, a, um, an idea that, that, that says that humanity will come together and reset, restart Earth in a way that is sustainable, in a way that is equal um, across the board. And this is not just a United States idea. This is a, this is a global mm -hmm. concept ideology that is being perpetuated ad nauseum and everywhere right now, even this week, this past week, this past month, I think I first mentioned it maybe about five weeks ago in uh -huh. one of our podcasts. Yeah, I'm Googling while you're talking about it. I'm like, man, and, and I even heard, I heard a commercial in this past week on the radio that alluded to this idea, this concept of a, the Great Reset and how we all need to be a part of it mm. or, or build back better. That's another it, phrase oh, yes. that you'll hear as well. Biden's one. obviously using that too, but mm -hmm. he's not the only one using it. Mm -hmm. Trudeau is using it. There's other countries that are using the same similar phrasings um, to, to, again, um, help, help, help us come alongside this idea of resetting, restarting humanity. And it used to be world. called uh, a new world order. Yeah. But people like Bush, President Bush won. Yeah, that was common that. phrases that he would use right. Walter, all the time. Well, even Walter Cronkite talked mm -hmm. about it. David mm -hmm. Rockefeller talked about it. And now they've... Couched it and rebranded. Re, yeah, it's rebranded. It sounds better saying the great reset. And isn't it crazy? Because we don't even have to pull out a tinfoil hat anymore. Like, no. it's like, oh no, they're actually not hiding it anymore. No. Like, this uh -uh. is actually being talked about openly and marketed as a good idea. Right. 
And what we yeah. what we really need to emphasize to people is that the stage is being set. Absolutely. I mean, this is this is Revelation. This is Daniel. I mean, this is Zechariah. That brings all this in together. What we see happening on the world stage is strictly from Scripture. We yeah. see it happening. The stage is literally yeah. being set in front of us. Yeah, because it's not like some you know like Doctor Evil is going to show up and everyone is going to be like tricked by some guy mm-hmm. that looks completely evil and you know Mike Myers right. dressed up whatever but they're actually going to try to do this in a way like you read this you think oh man I, I really who wouldn't want everyone to well, be sure. happy who wouldn't yeah. want everyone mm-hmm. to be healthy and have access to these things and and the problem is that uh, somebody has to ultimately rule that and um, you know Donna was sharing before we started here a uh, a video of some of the, uh, the, the the information, and one of them is that it will only be a few countries that will be able to rule this. Right. That was that's literally from the World Economic Forum. They said only a few nations yeah. will will rule, and they also said, imagine owning uh, nothing and being happy. Owning nothing, nothing and, and being, being happy. happy. Well, one of the things that if you read the document, so they released a document about two weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago, that is. Um, that's that is kind of in lockstep with everything that's happened in COVID. It's called basically COVID nineteen in the Great Reset. Kind mm-hmm. of the, the opportunity to 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 build back better, and it's on the heels of all things COVID nineteen. It's a white letter, or oh, I'm sorry, a white paper. You familiar with white papers? So white papers are these um, these formal documents that organizations put together. They're kind of a rough draft for a um, for a company wide or a systematic wide change or a um, direction that someone will go. Hmm. And they released that about three weeks ago and it's, it's public. I mean, you can go, you can go find it and read it. And uh, you know, one of the things that they talk about in there is wow. exchanging. So one, one of the things you just said, you were talking about, uh, what was the phrase you just used? You're, oh, the new world order. Well, no, we were talking about oh. each person would live oh. happy. Yeah, or yeah. Imagine they said, anything. imagine, yeah, owning nothing, owning nothing. Happy. And so, one of the concepts in this paper says, okay, if you have debt, we will forgive all of your debt, no questions asked. Who, who will do this? This, this, the, the the WEF, this this global concept, which is technically not your, they don't own the debt, right? Like well, if the, I own a car loan, it's not to them, right? Well, the great exchange would be <laughs> the great exchange. The exchange would be that they would forgive your debt in exchange for the fact that they would then own it. So, wow. And own you. Is yes. that like, that's like patently biblical language about what Jesus did for us. Yes. Yeah, so one of the things that's in the works right now, within if you like, kind of dig deep into the the Biden Harris um, uh, economic uh, um, plan plan agenda. is the forgiveness of all of all college debt, mm-hmm. all student debt wiped clean. Yeah, I heard that. I was like, Lauren, go to college right now, get lots <laughs> of loans. <laughs> but the, I mean, nothing is for free, yeah. right? So. This is this is just kind of another like lead into this this concept again that any debt that you have will be forgiven, but it would be then in exchange for I mean they would they would hold it, they would hold your debt for you, but it would be wiped clean because they would own your things. No different than we have we know none of us really own music anymore. We all rent it from Spotify, 
from iTunes, uh, Apple. That's Apple true. Music. So we don't really own those things. We oh, that's just, fascinating. I remember having a conversation them. with mm-hmm. Blaine Barkas, one of my he's one of my Blaine. greatest music industry. I love, but I love that guy. And he was at uh, I probably shouldn't say record label wise, but he was at a record label uh, like twenty years ago, fifteen years ago, and holding a CD. And he's like, you know, wouldn't you? I mean, uh, he, this was what they. This is what we're all hoping back then, holding a CD <laughs> in your hand. Wouldn't you just want the, the idea of owning it and holding it in your hand? And, and I remember I picked up my phone and thought. Right, but here, I mean, I do. It's like literally, I have my entire thing in my hand, like right now, my entire music catalog, yeah. including my books, now are all so in it's, my hand. It's this right, idea that it. you would no longer have maybe house debt or car debt. Um, oh gosh, that was the second point on the World Economic Forum. Yeah. I posted something on YouTube. That was the second point: is yeah. rent everything. Yeah, you would rent everything. Mm-hmm. It, it, own nothing. Rent. Own everything. nothing. Rent everything. And so, you. I mean, you could just play this out how how that would how that would go. It creates all all kinds of it solves all kinds of problems and creates all kinds of new ones. Mm-hmm. But this is again just another kind of platitude. Yeah, that's been because your problem is this: whoever it is that does that for you, they better be good, right? If they're going to own you, you better know that they are trustworthy, mm-hmm. that they are perfect, that they're not going to mess this up. Um, because so Revelation twenty one, you know he's. Uh, verse 1, he sees the, a, a new heaven and a new earth, right? The great reset, so to speak. The first heaven and earth had passed away. Uh, there was no longer any sea, which is a fascinating thought. I don't know that right. it's a literal thing, but there's, mm-hmm. there's some idea to it. The, well, there is in the millennial kingdom. But, then, there, but yeah. then there's a distinction here. There's no sea hmm. in the new Jerusalem, in the, in the new holy city. There's no sea. Interesting. Because there, it says that there's a, the river that flows through the city. Right. But no sea. Again, it, it's a separation between the millennial yeah, kingdom it, it, and... Two different moments mm-hmm. there. Because this is when it all is done. Like he has opened up the can and Satan... Mm-hmm. But the, uh, verse, well, verse 2, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem. Again, think about whatever city you've seen and beloved and it was gone. And, you know, this is an actual thing that's going to happen. But the, the, the idea that this is the city we've all longed for, the city we've all desired, um, coming down out of heaven from her prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. Uh, and this is what I wanted to tack into that is that, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will uh, be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, mourning, crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. So this idea that they want to create this, you know, this old, the old order passing it away, they want to create a new order. Whoever succeeds at that better be someone you can trust, better be good, mm-hmm. right? And I don't know, you know, uh, who gets to be in charge. Like if you start putting countries together, I mean, good Lord, I've, I have walked across a border. I've walked across a few of them actually. Um, I vividly remember walking across the border just from Togo, Africa into Ghana because we, we drove to the border. The guy couldn't go. I had to rent a car on the other side. And I was watching the way that the border guards would treat people from the other side going either way. They, both, they all looked identical, right? They're all Africans. Mm-hmm. But if you're a Togolese trying to get into Ghana, they had these guys with these giant sticks. I don't even know where you get sticks like this. My dad would have given anything to have beaten me with one of these. <laughs> and... They were just like little late. They just like just smacking him and, and, and beating him. 
because they're not good. They're humans, right? That's mm. Whoever's going to be in charge eventually is going to have to say to those refugees or whoever, okay, these are the rules. And if there's anything we learn, even from the millennial kingdom, is that humans don't much care for rules. Unredeemed humans. Um, And so in a place like what we're experiencing right now, why this will fail is at some point, whatever they decide, I mean, dear God, we can't even even agree on masks or no Mm -hmm. masks in our country, okay? People have very passionate opinions about it. And what is the passionate opinion from one side saying that masks are everything? which is we need to enforce that. You need to call the cops on your neighbors. You need to, if they get people at your house for Thanksgiving, got to call the cops on them because these things we should all be able to agree on, not everybody agrees on. So imagine student loans, right? Just forgiving that alone. I mean, mm-hmm. I was kind of joking, but my daughter stayed home this year so that she would not have a student loan because she wanted to be responsible with her money. And this would say to her, and she, I, I, she didn't listen to this, so what does she care? You know, if you, if you ever want to make your kid not a Democrat, this might punch him in the Democrat right here. <laughs> because he's, Like, she's about to say, this isn't fair. Right. Why do they get their lunch forgiven? And I'm sitting at home, and I could have gone out and done it, but I was trying to be responsible, and I'm being punished for it. And the answer, ultimately, is it mean that Biden's good or bad? It doesn't mean any of that. It means that we all have that darkness in our hearts in humanity, and that any solution that we put here, someone is in and someone is out. And that's why uh, this great reset, it sounds so good on paper, and it is literally one of the most condescending, Mm -hmm. insulting, intellectually intenable, Mm -hmm. but it depends on one thing, and that's that humans are good. Um, uh, When you listen to the Prince Charles video that he did, the royal family owned the great reset, you know, you hear it in that British voice, and you think, wow, they're going to Right? It's calming. It's inspiring. It's rallying. Sounds awesome. And then, then you see Camilla. Is that his wife's name, Camilla? Yes. She's got like a chicken on her head or whatever. Like she's always wearing like a bird or something yeah, on her head. Like again, poor Princess Diana. But, uh, but you think, okay, these are like technically. I mean, I don't know that. I don't know much about the royal family. I don't care anything about it. But here's a guy that uh, lives off of the taxes of people. Mm-hmm. Um, who's now telling these people mm-hmm. that I, we're here to save you. Right. Um, right. That's what people don't understand. It's a few elitists of the world who are planning this. And, and can I just can I just lob one more thing out there? Sure. No, go ahead. Probably, I would love it. And everybody brace yourselves because yeah. it's going to be a good one. <laughs> yeah, if I was the, asking for permission, it's going to be a good yeah, one. This is, this is, I am asking for permission. Um, so one of the things that gives me gives me pause for this entire thing over the past year is something called Event 201. Google it and look for yourself. But Event 201 was a... I'll just read it. The John Hopkins Center for Health Security, in partnership with the World Economic Forum and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, hosted Event 201. What was Event 201? Well, it was a high-level pandemic exercise held when... October of 2019. I'm sorry. Say that one more time. Mm. In New York. October so, of 2019. October, yeah. So a year ago, bef- before we were aware of any such things. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is Darren over here <laughs> going, I'm trying so hard to not be a conspiracy theory guy, but that's, that's so crazy. It is crazy in reverse. It's crazy. So John Hopkins 
the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and the World Economic Forum partnered together to do a high-level pandemic exercise, October of 19, 2019 in New York City. The exercise illustrated areas where public and private partnerships will be necessary during the response to a severe pandemic in order to diminish large-scale economic and societal consequences. That'll make your butt pucker. Mm. So, it, it, so for me, it just everything that's happening right now just gives me pause, and I just want to be able to zoom out, see big picture, what's really happening. I'm not saying question everything because that can that can really just drive you crazy. Yeah, yeah. Um, but discern and and really pay attention to to what to what's going on. Right. Well, you know, uh, <clears throat> in Daniel it says. Concerning the end, the end of time, it says that the wise will understand. Yeah. You know, you're going to mm. be able to see these things and you're going to be able to understand. It also says in there that the wicked will continue to be wicked. And in that video that I, I posted on Facebook to crickets because Facebook immediately <laughs> oh, recognized. Yeah. They got somebody in an algorithm right. person going, no, 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 no. <laughs> no information on the World Economic Forum. But in their own video, they said that the United States will no longer be the superpower. And that has been their, um, that's been their goal all along. They have to get the United States out of the way. That's why they're yes. salivating right now um, with the potential of a Biden-Harris administration. They are salivating because Donald Trump stood in their way for four years. People can say whatever, and they obviously they, they don't need my permission because they have said whatever they wanted about Trump. But man, the simple fact of the matter is, is he was a, a stopgap, a, a you know, mm-hmm. bulkhead against uh, bulwark against globalism. Wick, yeah, mm-hmm. because if there's anything, I mean, if, even if you're uh, whatever progressive and think he is the antichrist, like you have to agree that he's not exactly cooperative. Mm-hmm. Um, like if you're China, if you're even Russia, which is why it's kind of hilarious whenever I hear about the collusion with Russia. I'm like, they don't want him in there. Exactly. He is a pain in their rear end. Right. That's the last thing they need is him in right. there. But what I would say that as I've thought through this and even coming up to this Sunday is it's why we even in America cannot get our hopes in who's going to be in the White House. Uh, God's going to put the person there that he wants. Mm -hmm. And we voted. I voted. You voted. We all voted. And then God voted. And if he needs a bulwark against, you know, globalism, Trump will probably be in there January 21st. Mm -hmm. But if the time is it's right, here. if the time is here, that's if the right. time is here, of course he's not going <laughs> to win, because they need to move uh, aside, right? From that, right? The United States has to <clears throat> get out of the way. Yeah, yeah, because you know you can <laughs> you can read all you want through Revelation, Daniel, Ezekiel, whatever, but what you don't see is the United States. Right. You can squint really hard. Yeah, yeah. Through all prophetic scriptures, and yeah, we are not there. Yeah, I remember somebody like it used to be there. Anytime an eagle would pop up, yes. In the oh, there's the United States. Right. Oh, that's kind <laughs> exactly. of a stretch. But <laughs> the thing that is important for us, though, the reason that we can't get our hopes in a politician, because we're going to be doing the exact same thing that those who will put their hopes in Antichrist would do, mm-hmm. which is to put their hopes in a politician. And the thing that makes this so particularly uh, insidious is uh, we, we humans are not getting better. I mean, I guess let me say it this way. The World Economic Forum, their plan only works if humans are good. 
um, that's the only way. Mm-hmm. If humans are at our base good, then their plan f- would work. Sure. But thousands of years of human history right. s- tell us the truth that mm-hmm. that's not true. And I, uh, a, a long time ago, I don't recommend this book, by the way, because it, it's, you know, it's to be a few hours of your life you're never getting back. But a, a while back on a plane somewhere, I was reading st- a book called Straw Dogs by John Gray. Not the women are from Mars, men are from, <laughs> wait, well, that's wrong. Men are from Mars, women are from Venus. Got that backwards. That's probably what's wrong in my marriage. I've had that backwards. <laughs> <laughs> now, John Gray is a uh, philosopher, uh, English guy, very smart, and very much not a Christian. But his book, The Premise of Straw Dogs, is that uh, humans are not only not getting better, that it's actually a dogma that secular humanists believe that is demonstrably false. He wrote, um, humanists like to think they have a rational view of the world but their core belief is progress. Their core belief in progress is a superstition, further from the truth about the human animal than any of the world's religions. And he goes on to say, today, religious believers are more free-thinking, driven to the margins of a culture in which science claims authority over all human knowledge. This was written almost 20 years ago, and what are we experiencing right now? They have had to cultivate a capacity to doubt In contrast, secular believers held fast by the conventional wisdom of the time are in the grip of unexamined dogmas. That's what's happening in our world right now. Mm -hmm. The unexamined dogmas say that humankind is good and science is telling us that we're progressing towards something good. Mm -hmm. But what's, it's demonstrably false. What's happening is we're advancing in technology, but we're not advancing in our souls. Right, right. you know, there are certain denominations, Darren, who also believe that. They believe that I'm we gonna are... I'm going to need you to drop some names. We huh? are, we are <laughs> advancing, continually getting better and better and better and better. Now, I know that in progressive Christianity, mm-hmm. that's, that's the whole core. We're made of stardust or whatever. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it's kind of funny. Um, but what, like, are you talking like uh, mainline Presbyterian EPU or... Um, I, I don't know specifically what, mm-hmm. which ones they are, but you know they're the all millennials. All millennialists were get, we're just getting better and better and better okay, and better, so there ushering you go. in the kingdom of God. We, when that's a good point. When people, when I've had the conversation with all millennialists or even preterists, the one problem with any of that though is that we're not getting better. Mm-hmm. Like if, if this is if we are bringing the kingdom to earth, right? Um, and by bringing the kingdom to earth, I was having a conversation with Kelly Hancock, who's one of our local conduits, and she said, Taryn, I just don't like the phrase, uh, on earth as it is in heaven, because and then she showed me this Elizabeth Elliott quote, which is, we're not on earth. Like, heaven is not earth. Like, it's not. And, and the idea being that, if, if the idea is that we're bringing Revelation 21, heaven to earth, mm-hmm. that we're getting better towards heaven, that is patently unbiblical. Um, I think that the idea of heaven on earth, the way that we've used it, right? When you see a kid who's got dirty water, yeah. we, we'll, we'll build an outpost of heaven here. We're knocking down a gate of hell. Mm-hmm. And we're, so depending on what you mean when you say it, I see why she would say that. Because like, this, is, this is Revelation 21. This actually is the answer to the prayer, right? Like the, We're answering, we're being answered to the prayer on earth as it is in heaven. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, this is the prayer that Jesus prayed, right? On earth as it is in heaven. And here it is. Heaven coming, coming down. to earth. Yeah. Hmm. Well, we should get through some more of this, actually. 
we have, we have a long chapter ahead of us. That's why we needed two weeks. He goes on to say that, uh, verse, let's say verse 7, those who are victorious will inherit all of this. Speaking of the city, right, the earth, everything that is God's, right, they're inheriting it. They're, that's the idea of being co-heirs with Christ. Oh, if you could back up, Darren, because we talked about how, how God is coming down. Yeah, yeah. Because Jesus was ruling and reigning during the millennium, during those 1,000 millennial right. years. And it specifically says here when, when the new Jerusalem comes down to earth, God will be amongst Ooh. us as well. That's an important distinction because in a little bit we'll see there is no more temple. Mm-hmm. Because he doesn't need that anymore for the Shekinah glory. Right. And no light. There's no reason for the sun, the moon, the yeah. stars, because yeah. he is the light. Yeah. And it means like that idea, what Moses saw, that no one can see him without dying. We will now see him mm-hmm. and not die. Mm-hmm. Right. Because we have been changed and transformed. Right. Which is a good point. Because during the thousand-year reign, he, he, wasn't, he, did, he wasn't there. He won't be there right, during right. that thousand-year reign. And that's a great point. Because... They would still, so many people would be in their natural bodies and would, they would, would die died, yeah. from they seeing were... them. And they are going to die in the millennial right. reign as well. They, there will be death. Yeah. Um, Isaiah tells us that. But that's a great point. So, the, uh, so verse 7, they're going to inherit all this. But verse 8, but the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the word pharmakia again, yeah. The idolaters and all liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. He's talking about a city. Um, like when you put gates on a city to protect yourself, what you're looking to protect yourself from are cowardly mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, murderers, magic guards, idolaters. Like you're trying to protect yourself from evil, but when evil has been finally removed from the earth, and I, these are people that have had the choice and have patently rejected Christ. Right. They can't, and, you can't have a perfect city with uh, people who refuse to follow the perfect God. I actually um, looked up the word cowardly there because mm. I thought, well, that's kind of an odd word, yeah. you know, the cowardly. Um, but it actually means miserable or wretched. And you, when you think about oh, the tr- truly wretched people that you've met <laughs> in life, they aren't, uh, they aren't going to be part. They are going to be outside the city. You know, you think yeah. about the, the ones who early on in Revelation who were hiding and were saying, oh, the, hope the rocks fall on us because the, ra- the wrath of God has come and they're still railing against him. Yeah. Those would be the, the miserable and wretched of the world. Yeah, and if you think about... Most people who are living in that way, uh, raging against God, mm-hmm. they are going to be sad, wretched, mm-hmm. angry, miserable, bitter, miserable. Mm-hmm. And it's a little bit of what um, maybe that's where C.S. Lewis gets his idea in The Great Divorce, right? That eventually there'll be no more left of you to even see the mood. You'll, all, all that will be left of you is your bad and, that you, and to live with that forever. Mm-hmm. Um, is, is hell on earth and hell in hell. Mm-hmm. Um, and the word vile there uh, means polluted or defiled. You know, we often use the word vile and not really quite sure what that means, but that's what this particular word means here, is these are defiled people. Polluted as in, like, completely, well, I mean, obviously the sin that we, we, mm-hmm. we're wearing the white robes, we've been made righteous right. by Christ. This is those that have rejected that. Do you yeah. think that's what that idea sure. is? Yeah. Polluted in their sin, defiled in their sin. 
Which brings me um, to one of the questions then of, well, I guess it's further down in the chapter, but who gets into the city then? Because if we've all sinned, mm-hmm. we've all fallen short of the glory of God, you know, who gets into a city like this? Mm-hmm. Um, and down here, uh, I get another verse, but it's the verse, you guys might not need to help me find it, the verse where he's talking about the, those water. I've got water here for you that is free. You don't have to buy it. I guess that's towards the end. Oh, I really skipped ahead. Um, the point being, the people who get into this city are not the people who quit cheating, who quit doing these things, quit whatever. They're the people who said, uh, I'm thirsty, I'm empty. And it's the water of him that is what is going to sustain us and bring us life um, or who we're in. And there's a lot of gospel in that. For those that are struggling in specific sins, you know, it's when you get to the point where you say, I give up, I'm done, this is who I am, this is how I'm made. That's the exact opposite of the language Paul uses with sin, which is he speaks of it as a struggle, as it's Romans 7. Why do I do the things I don't want to do? Mm-hmm. So it's like the, the beauty of it all is that the people who get into the city, um, they're not made unvile by stopping what they were doing. They're made unvile by Jesus giving them the water and saving them from it. Um, and it says specifically, the very last verse, Darren, it says specifically, those who enter are the ones whose names are found in the Lamb's, Lamb's Book, Book of, of Life. Life. Oh. That's where I want my name. <laughs> it's the, um, I don't, the beauty of that, 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 that Book of Life, is that my name is actually written down somewhere as I'm in uh, Mo and I's old life, if you wanted to get on the guest list. I was getting ready to bring up the guest list. Right. You know, it's like going to a concert and, you know, you're walking up to the, well, I mean, Donna knows and Troy knows. I That's mean, true. You, yeah, you, they, 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 like, Troy don't do like a winter jam, right? I yeah, I mean, you, you want to go see your <laughs> see your buddies, you know somebody in the band or what have you, and you're, you're going through the, the back door, the secret entrance. Yeah. You, you're, just, you're just hoping, mm-hmm. you know, based yeah. upon who you've asked and... Who you've talked to that, that your name in. is on that guest <laughs> yeah. list. And Nashville is the <laughs> worst terrible adult to yeah. get on the list because everybody on belongs list. on the list, but there's only so much space. Right. Only so uh, many. Was it last year? There's a big uh, thing downtown with Pastor W. Smith, Michael, and uh, mm-hmm. Debbie in this night of worship. Mm-hmm. And Very I showed stoked. up at the uh, side uh, to get in. And no, no such luck. Well, I'm, here's the best part. I'm standing <laughs> next to Jeremy Camp, okay? I hadn't seen Jeremy in a while. He's, I mean, his initials, JC, okay? Right. Uh, and, and he's not on the list. <laughs> oh, no. Right? And this, this nice lady who's working at the security, I'm like, look, um, ma'am, I know you have literally no idea who any of us are, but I assure you, he ha- his name should be on the list. I <laughs> right. promise you that he has about right. five million reasons why he's on that list. And, but it felt good, actually, honestly. To be on, to be not right. on the list with Jeremy, because I'm like it's not just me. Right. Uh, but then we we obviously eventually got in. I just followed Jeremy in. But um, this is a know. similar feeling. Right? It, it is right <laughs> because how do you get on the list, right? Because yeah. if you can't get in Nashville, well, there's only so on much the list, room. How you get on the list is relationship. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, whether it's that's true. I text Michael. Hey, bud. It's relationship. It's your old buddy Darren. <laughs> Can I get on the list? That's Which what. is, you know, the the Lamb's Book of Life. It's that's do the you list. have a relationship? Yeah. That's the list to be on. Maybe there'll be laminate passes. Maybe mm-hmm. you get like one of those ones you hang around mm-hmm. your neck. <laughs> They're wordless with it. But you know, even in this chapter, there, uh, it, which happens so often through the Book of Revelation, there are two distinct groups 
And in Revelation 21, it says that there are those consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. Mm. There are those con- consigned yeah, to that's that. The word, yeah. Right. That's in verse 8. And then there, there are those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Again, there's two distinct groups. Hmm. Verse 9, one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls of the seven last plagues came and said to me. That's funny they don't say which angel, by the way. Just one of them. Mm-hmm. Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a mountain great and high and showed me the holy city coming down out of heaven from God. And it goes on to explain this city. But he's saying there the city is being referred to as a mm-hmm. bride. What do you think that's about? The city itself is, a, I know that not, not the bride, we're all the bride, whatever, but there's an image here of the city being a bride. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are we in the city? Is that why, we're, is that why it's the bride? Well, I've, I've kind of heard that before, Darren. I've heard people say because the bride of Christ would be, would be in the bride. But then I've uh, also heard different scholars say, no, the bride of Christ comes down with Jesus, obviously, at his second coming, because we're part of the saints and the holy ones who come down at at that point. So I think that he's just referring to Jerusalem as the bride, and there are parts in the Bible where Jerusalem is referred to as her, Israel is referred to as her. So I've heard uh, in the past that in the Old Covenant that Israel is referred to as the bride of Jehovah. Mm Mm-hmm. In the New Covenant, we're referred to as the Bride of Christ, but it's the, the imagery of a bride is, uh, I mean, it's not like we're all going to be wearing actual wedding dresses and running down mm-hmm. an aisle, but there's an imagery he's trying to communicate of, of And in the, Ju- in the ancient Jewish weddings, and well, actually, actually, I think this still happens today. I've seen pictures of it, but there's an unveiling of mm. the bride. Yeah. And it's like, well, here's this unveiling of the holy city of the New Jerusalem coming down. And it's not just the, the wife of anybody, it's the wife of the lamb, which mm-hmm. that word over and over again, uh, the idea of a lamb being the bride uh, or being the husband of this, of this wife. And it, I think we can point out, too, that it says that the angel took him to a great high mountain because this is such an enormous city. I, I, I don't, I'm not smart enough to know what stadia is, so I had to look all that up. But they say it's 1,400, 1,500 feet high, long, wide. So it's enormous. It's an enormous city. And it actually says here he took him to a great high mountain so that he could mm-hmm. see it. Oh, interesting. So the mountain, I see what you're saying there. Mm-hmm. And the wall of the city had 12 foundations. This is what Diana Covey, I remember, right? She was, I think this is what she was coloring. Maybe I don't remember now, but I think that's what it was. On, uh, on the names of them were the 12 apostles of the Lamb. Um, he, uh, he explains what the walls are made out of. There's lots of images. Maybe we could come back next week and talk about what some of the imagery is in the, in the stones here of what uh, the beauty of this is. But I wanted to see, I, I wanted really to get to verse 22 uh, for this week for sure, which is I did not see a temple in the city uh, because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. And that's when it goes on to say the city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it for the glory of God gives it light and the lamb is its lamp uh, the, the nations will walk by its light and the kings of earth will bring their splendor into it interesting kings of the earth there's more of that language of like us ruling and reigning mm-hmm. on no day will its gates ever be shut for there will be no night there um, 
The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those who are written in the, the Lamb's book of life. And this is just a, a, a beautiful picture. Again, so you, at the core of humanity, we, we desire equity. We desire peace. We desire the imagery that even the Bible talks about. You know, every man will have his own vine. Every, you know, we, just, we desire that. So you can see why, even today, uh, what's happening with this World Economic Forum idea is that they, they want this stuff. Like, and, and people uh, who, if you don't know Christ, like, I can see why you buy into that. Because uh, mm. this is kind of what he's promising here, and that's what they're selling, but we're going to do it without, without Christ, which ultimately falls apart. Yeah, there's, a, there's another little part that I, I skipped uh, I didn't bring up when you were kind of going through it. It's from the white papers. Is that what you're no, still talking? No, Revelation about? four. Oh. Um, I'm sorry, Revelation twenty one six through eight. When it says, uh, mm. and he said to me, "It is done. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of the water of life." And it, again, all these things are interesting to me, and they all intrigue me. But over the past three years, I think it was 2017. You know, Google. Uh, created a parent company. They kind of divested and created a parent company that oversees Google and its subsidiaries. And that parent company is called Alphabet, which I find so interesting. Of all the names for them to pick, they picked Alphabet. Alpha. Hmm. And two of their companies that Alphabet oversees that's alongside Google is um, one is called Calico, and Calico, the, the entire uh, objective for this particular company is agelessness, longevity. No way. Healing health and disease. Yes. Um, and another one is called DeepMind, which is all AI, artificial intelligence, neural links, um, you know, systems that can think for themselves that can be used in all kinds of different ways. So it's these same concepts, right, mm -hmm. that man is trying so hard spending billions with a B of dollars towards figuring out and fixing and Ooh. using. And it's this, again, it's, it just keeps coming back to this. Alpha and Omega. <laughs> right? This artificial sense, this fake, this mm -hmm. faux version yeah. of, of God, of a God. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's the... Um, I mean, fascinating, right? Because we talk about it, uh, it's been a while back, but... I bring it up from time to time because I'm so intrigued by the idea that most of the folks that are uh, especially tech billionaires have all invested in one version or another of immortality, of yeah. not aging anymore. This is no longer like Walt Disney like freezing himself in a, you know, put himself in the family <laughs> garage or whatever, in the garage fridge at the Disney house. Like, this isn't cryogenic. That, that this never is, happened, by the way. Did he not do that? No. I really needed no, that to his, have been true. His daughter, Will, uh, she, <laughs> yeah, she said absolutely not. That never happened. Ruined my fun. <laughs> this is a version of not like dying and coming back. This is a version of not dying at all. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and, and massive amounts of research and dollars and some of the smartest, most brilliant scientists in the world are working on these things yeah. as we speak. And think about it. If they succeed, like that's, that's bad news. Like if they would succeed in something like that, like again, yeah. I've said it, like I can, I caused a lot sure. of trouble in my 49 years. Imagine if I had 4,000 years, how much trouble I could cause. Mm -hmm. 
like the the only reason that that is a good idea is if humans are good. Yeah, and it wasn't in Genesis where the Lord spoke and said, you know, you you will no longer live x amount of years. Like he put a cap mm-hmm. on the number of years right. that mm-hmm. he, that a man could live yeah. because of well, the trouble that they brought. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. part of what theologians say is that the reason that there were angels in the garden was that they could not get back in to eat from the tree of life because now someone who had the knowledge of the tree of good and evil would could eat from the tree of life and live forever. Mm. And uh, living thousands of years in that condition is a terrible idea. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. we are, That's a curse. That's a 100% a right. curse, right? There's a mercy in that we don't mm-hmm. live that long because uh, we're not... <laughs> we could, we could, look what we can destroy... Right, with a solid 80 years. Like, we, we can get a lot of totally. stuff destroyed as a humanity. <laughs> and so imagine with thousands of years. Um, outside, I'm going to read a couple more things from uh, uh, John Gray. Outside of science, progress is simply a myth. Uh, in some readers of Straw Dogs, this is from an op-ed piece he wrote, this observation seems to have produced a moral panic. Surely, they ask, no one can question the center, center article of faith of liberal societies. Without it, will we not despair? Without this, we're, we have no hope. Without this idea that we're all progressing. Like trembling Victorians, terrified of losing their faith, these humanists cling to the moth-eaten brocade of progressive hope. Hmm. Moth-eaten, where moth and yeah. rust corrupt, uh, is the, what Jesus talked about don't put your treasures there yeah. mm-hmm. um matthew 6 and that's a, a a picture for us of our hope is not here on earth um uh, there's a, a whole new crop of young folks right now putting their hope in a political process and look i did it i remember in the early 90s okay if we just get this guy in or this lady here or whatever th- then we'll be okay and there's a difference, by the way, between voting because you believe a policy is right and good and I believe in what this person is going to do, between that and like, and if we don't, then we're all going to hell in a handbasket and the whole thing's because th- that is an act of God is not in control. And a young, uh, young people right now voting, Micah's in here. Micah, this was your first time to vote, right? Yeah. They give you a sticker? Yep. Yeah? You like that? Yeah. We, we didn't get stickers when I was a kid. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Mike is going to vote, right? But his hope, if it's in this, um, it's it's a it's a it's it's not a, a sturdy hope. Certainly mm-hmm. not an eternal hope. And if there's one thing that Revelation teaches us, is that Christianity is the only truth that allows us to be truthful, right? That says we don't have any hope, while simultaneously being completely hopeful, which is to say, we have all the hope in the world because of what Christ has done and what He will do. And uh, secular humanists say we have hope because we're progress, because of, because of science. That's our, that's our savior right now. Um, there was a piece actually in uh, American Scientist this week, Scientific American, I'm sorry, and it was talking about John Lowenditis, who is a um, professor of medicine at Stanford University. Okay, This guy's not a schlep. Uh, he authored some of the most cited articles in medical history, was praised in a 2010 article in The Atlantic as, quote, possibly one of the most influential scientists alive. Okay, This guy's not a schlup. He says, you know, he has a, an opinion about how we should handle this pandemic. And his opinion was, let's protect the vulnerable. We know who's in danger. Let's protect them. 
and then allow the ones who are not in danger to go about their lives to keep the economy alive, yada, yada, yada. We probably all know that if you're listening to this. But when he said that back in April, he was massacred, just absolutely like had to get security, wow. was absolutely, and by other, here's the point of this, by other scientists. So at this point, there's like the Jon Snow document and there's the Great Barrington Declaration and both of them are written and signed by epidemiologists and doctors and nurses and tens of thousands on either side. And the question, if you're putting your hope in science is what science? Wow. Because scientists uh, are, are still interpreting mm-hmm. the science. Right. You're right. Science doesn't say anything. Scientists say something. And so even this comes down to someone's going to have to vote for which science you listen to. If your hope is in that and it's um, that those who are controlling the media are the ones who are deciding which science works. Yeah, which is a handful mm-hmm. of people right. that are controlling a narrative for mm-hmm. us. And if this is our hope, um, ask John Lowenditis. I mean, this guy's one of the most respected guys in the country and in, in the world in some cases. And he has been crucified along with others that have talked about this in another sure. way. And this op-ed piece in this uh, magazine was saying that I'm not even saying he's right. What I'm saying is that the way that we are achieving this is not scientific. To, to shut him down for the tech companies to have literally stopped him from mm-hmm. being able to even say this by canceling all of his stuff, that's not science. When I, that's religion. When yes. I got COVID, my doctor uh, did not recommend I go on any sort of COVID medication because of uh, heart arrhythmia. So he suggested the zinc, vitamin D, vitamin C, and cursing. Mm-hmm. I took that, and then a couple of weeks later, I actually posted on Facebook uh, about that. There was I got one of those little, like, oh, not check. fraud, fact check, right, yeah. that popped up Morning. on my on my Facebook account. And I thought, oh, that's so crazy, but I didn't think anything of it. Later that day, the entire post had been removed. They just removed it. <laughs> Even though it worked for me. Yeah. It, it was worked vitamins. for me. Yeah. It was vitamins. <laughs> And they said they totally censored me and took it off as if yeah. it never existed. And think about that, how crazy that is. Not even just in, okay, we're the land of the free, the home of the brave, mm-hmm. you know, First Amendment, all those things. But just in, the, in scientific, like they're, it's a completely unscientific approach to science. Yeah. Because it's basically saying we get to be the one who wins. We're carrying the biggest stick, so mm-hmm. we get to be the ones who get to decide which is the right science for this, and the rest of you be damned with it. Mm-hmm. And um, for us, in, in, in faith, like even to say, we're not anti-science. You know, I, I love the fact that uh, physics and the universe, actually, they do declare the glory of God. Um, but I'm anti-faith in a scientist. I'm anti-faith in... Right. Just trust me. You guys are stupid. We'll figure this out for you. Yeah, yeah no, I don't appreciate that. Yeah, not a fan <laughs> of that. And by the way, humans aren't a fan of that. That's why they're protesting in Germany, protesting right. in the UK, mm-hmm. protesting in India, mm-hmm. because there's a, a point where you're thinking, you know, why can't we talk about the fact that people are struggling with emotional distress and suicide and illness? And I mean, it's bad enough that NBC has finally started reporting, right, that people in, in nursing homes are dying right. because of isolation. Um, and it, my point being, I'm not saying which one's right or wrong because I'm not a, I'm not an epidemiologist, but for that matter, neither is Bill Gates. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but what I am saying is that in this world, that to say that these guys are right and this is one place that's right and we're going to put my hope in this politician for this piece of whatever is uh, at best an, un, uh, an incomplete and for sure is not where our hope would be. And when you get back to this, he says the lamb, it's used what, three or four times, the lamb is mentioned here. Mm-hmm. And the word lamb is so important, um, especially for those who, uh, which is becoming so common right now. To uh, I, I saw, do you, do you guys know about the TikTok? Do you guys you know about the TikTok? TikToks. I know about it. I so certainly am not TikToks. I've, I've stopped playing solitaire in the bathroom, oh, and I'm now watching the TikToks. Um, but uh, there's... Yeah, that's bad. Um, now I can't remember what I was going to say. <laughs> the la- oh, because this lady comes on and she's talking about how penal substitutionary atonement is an American idea and it is not in Scripture. And she's saying this with a straight face. Wow. Right? And all I'm thinking is I want to get back to the dog, vo- you know, like the voiceovers of dogs. I don't know why mm-hmm. she's interrupting my thing. But uh, the idea of atonement starts in the Passover when a lamb was sacrificed that night, a pure lamb, and the blood of the lamb was put over the door. And that night in Egypt, there was either a dead son or a dead lamb. Uh, And notice that Jesus, or God didn't say just Israel, but anybody that would have had the blood of the lamb on the door that night, they would have all been saved. But only those who had that blood of the lamb. John 1, uh, John the Baptist sees Jesus and says, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the whole world, right? And which is him saying, like, oh, the lamb, the Passover lamb, he's that. Like, I'm getting that now. Like, he's saying it. And here's that word lamb used again. This idea of atonement is not brand new. This is literally the crux of everything. Even on Sunday, we're singing about being washed, you know, in the blood, which if you think about it, um, it is crazy because blood doesn't wash, it stains, Mm -hmm. right? I don't know if you've ever had a, a wound. I've had wounds. Um, I remember when I cut my knee when I was a kid, and I, I, uh, they, my dad came up, and I've talked about it in sermons, he tapes it shut with Band-Aids and then goes back to bed, and it bled through and literally soaked. My, my sock was so red with blood by the time my grandmother got there and chewed his butt. Um, <laughs> but that image in my mind, like, it doesn't clean, it stains. Mm-hmm. But the idea being that I've stained my clothing, Right. And the only thing in, in my sin, the, the wages of sin is death, and the thing that I have to pay is blood for it. But if a perfect sacrifice came and paid with his blood, then I am washed by that blood. Like, my debt is made free because his, he took it for me. That's the whole language here of this, that the lamb, and that's how we're getting in this city. Not by being good enough. Thank God for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, not by you know, progressing. Mm-hmm. Not by being stardust but by the blood of the lamb, all who are thirsty, uh, come and drink, right? This was Jesus said to uh, the, the, the well that I'll give you water, you'll never thirst again. And in works, I thirst all the time because I get it right and then I'm back to it again, mm-hmm. I'm thirsty again. Uh, for those listening right now, if, you're, if you wanna make sure you're in the city, don't start with trying to do a better job of anything. Just go right to uh, the cross, right? Cling to that because that's, uh, that's our. That's how we get our name on the list. That's how Jeremy Camp and Darren Tyler get into a Michael Levy Smith concert. Is we got our name in the books because our friend paid the price for us mm. to get in there. Yeah. And you and I are only going to get into this city by paying the price for it. Uh, him, sorry, him paying the price for it, not us. 
Donna, we're, uh, we're almost at an hour here. What are your last words, last thoughts of Revelation 21? I just keep thinking um, about Daniel, is that the wise will understand. Yeah. So to keep your eyes open, not to be freaks, not to be mm-hmm. weirdos about it, but just to be aware of what's happening. And for us to see that the stage is being set and there is a reset coming. Mo, I liked how you said it a couple of weeks ago. The great reset is coming, but it's not the one that the world mm-hmm. is talking about right now. But just to be wise and understand what's happening and keep in mind that the kingdom is coming. Hmm. That's hopeful. Mm-hmm. You talk about hope. Um, I have a really quick, funny hope story that I wanted to tell you. It's, it's So I was like 15, 16 years old at my old church uh, growing up. And somehow I became the guy in charge of changing the marquees out by the front of the road, you know, the big church sign that that says, you know, <laughs> which, has all the which sayings. Which ultimately became your job again, right? Which, That's kind yeah, of full circle it's, moment. It's circled back about 20 years later. But um, so, yeah, I was like 15, 16 years old. And the the pastor at the time, he hands me what he wanted on the uh, on the marquee. And on a Saturday morning, I would go out there on like a, a ladder about 12 feet high and change the sign. Well... This particular time, this is what he wanted me to put on the sign. He wanted it to read, there is no hope in the Pope. That's what I was to put on this sign. <laughs> hmm. In Ohio. In Ohio, yeah. There's some Catholics in Ohio. Right? There's a lot yeah, of yeah. Catholics in Ohio. And this is on like a five, six lane road, Scottish, center of town, Catholics, yeah. major traffic. So I, you know, I, I didn't know any better. I was just doing what I was told, right? So I put it up there. Windy, blustery day, probably January, February time frame. I do my job, put everything away, go to lunch, and then I get a phone call saying, I need you to come back here and change this. Our phones are blowing up. Like, people are not happy in the community about this, obviously. So I, I hustle back over there, and it was, just, it was a ton of work. It was not fun to do, especially in the winter. I'm changing this sign again, and then he, he asked me to change it to, there is no hope in anyone but Jesus which is probably what we should have led with the first time. Um, and so, again, windy, wintry day, put everything away, drive home, and I get another phone call that said, what did you do? I'm like, what? I put up what you told me to put up. Well, it, I, I can't believe this actually happened, but believe it or not, the J-E-S in Jesus blew off. Okay? And so now the sign says, there is no hope in anyone but us. Because the JES blew up. This is a true story. The World Economic Forum. There's no hope in anyone but us, is what this sign read for about you know six hours on a on a weekend. And so yeah, it's just it was just it's a wild story. This actually happened. But it made me. I mean, I'm thinking of this as you know as as the world that we're living in right now. It just feels like that's what we're hearing. There's no hope in anyone but us, ourselves, in science, in our country, in a man, in a position, and those all are just false. I mean, mm. none, of those are, none of those are real. Mm. Um, none of those are lasting. And for us to truly put our hope in Jesus the way it was meant to be. Yeah. And that's not just, like, ethereal. Like, it's literal right now. And I don't know, the irony of it is, uh, I don't know if it's an irony, but you know, most of the folks that we serve in, in developing nations, um, 
Like when they say they have their hope in Christ, like they're actually not being ethereal about it. That's like their hope. Like they're not hoping in their government. If you're in Haiti, right, you've yeah. long stopped hoping in your they government. Move past that. Yeah. Uh, when the earthquake happened in Haiti, they weren't waiting for the government. They they knew, they knew that wasn't coming, um, and they sure as heck weren't waiting for the UN because the UN, you know, gave them the gift of cholera and all kinds of crazy stuff. So we part of what people feel right now that might even feel hopeless is maybe not hopeless as much as grief. Are grieving what we thought we had as a country, but you know, one of them that's not getting in there are idolaters, and if we have put our government our our way of life made it an idol. It's this is a good time to lay that down. Um, yeah. you, you're, it's not that your salvation is in danger. I don't believe that, but boy, your life would sure be a lot more happy uh, if you if you would stop trying to put your hope in something that can't provide you hope. Um, again, uh, there are consequences to elections. I get it. They just there are, uh, but it's not your hope, uh, right. and it's not eternal. And what I see in Revelation 21, what we'll talk about this Sunday and probably next week on Deeper, is that anything that we're, whether it's science, whether it's the economy, you know, for me, it's, I definitely think of economy, I think of logic, I, you know, all my hope is in some of that stuff sometimes. And it's, you know, it's well past time for us to lay that down because there is work uh, to do before he comes. And uh, if my hope is in this world, I'm going to be busy working on the wrong things. You know, the, the old saying of you've spent your whole life working, put your ladder and realize you got you climbed the ladder and you realize the ladder's on the wrong building. Yeah. Um, there's a little bit of that in the kingdom of God. We can be really busy doing a whole bunch of stuff uh, that doesn't matter for eternity. Right. You know, the idea even of eternal rewards here of kings and ruling and reigning. And there's rewards for what we do here that Jesus will give us mm-hmm. for that. We get 80, let's say we get 80 years here, right? Um, we're going to spend an eternity based on how we spent these 80 years. Um, wow, yeah. Might as well. You know, every time we uh, free another family in Pakistan, you know, uh, as a church, we sure could buy some really, really, really screaming nice uh, moving lights and nice furniture for the offices. But for eternity, uh, these families, uh, we had another guy go free today, 22 years old. Um, the son? The son. My family called me about that. We were wondering. Oh, yeah. We were so nervous about him. But, yeah, they, if you're listening, you may not know this, but so we released a family last week. It was a father with a kajillion kids, and his wife had died. But his 22-year-old son was at the age now where he could be sold off as an asset. So he had been sold to a kiln who was five hours away by a car, and so we flew the pastor up there. Uh, it costs like $3,200 because we paid for airfares, him back. He's probably that guy's first time on a plane in his life and worth every penny. I could get a, I mean, Mike, I don't know what kind of a TV I could get for 3200 bucks, but it's a nice one. Um, like a, probably a really nice one. But anyway, the more I think about it. Um, but whatever is in eternity is going to just pale in comparison to That's the right. freedom that this guy, and we just used our money to do what Jesus said, use your money to wor- win earthly friends, right? That's what he talks about in the parable. Use your earthly money to earn friends that will welcome you into eternity. And there's a picture of that, of what we get to do here, which is uh, if, if they get to heaven before we get there, think of the parade of the people that are welcoming. So those that have given this past year at Conduit, whether it's to free families, feed children, uh, the, the least of these that Jesus speaks about, 
those are people that will welcome you into eternity should they beat you there. Like, that's a pretty cool, like, uh, Oscar Schindler moment, you know, for eternity. Um, which, and thank you, by the way, for those that have radically donated and been so generous. We, we have, we're at 52 families now. Um, wow. And we, yeah, I believe in God that we'll do 100 by this uh, in the next six months. That's what I'm really hoping for. Uh, but we've, we're just super grateful that it, we're recording this on what's called a Giving Tuesday, which is kind of, uh, honestly, it's kind of uh, it's kind of dumb, only because, you know, Black Friday, Cyber Monday, now that you're broke. Yeah, well, you're, all your leftovers. Yeah, here's Giving Tuesday now. So even that is like this American idea. Like, we'll, right. give, we'll give the poor people your leftovers. Um, but we're, I'm just grateful for that. And for those that have uh, donated, uh, I know ends of year is coming up. Um, so if you're looking for a place to invest your money in for eternal, I just turned that into a televangelist, didn't I? You did a great job. If you're, that was a great segue. If you are looking for a place, though, to invest in the kingdom, um, whether it's sponsoring a classroom in Uganda, I mean, I'm, I'm saying this, I don't make any money off of this. This is 100% of this is going to go to these kids sponsoring classes in Uganda, talking with our friends in Asia. We want to build a school there. Uh, for these kids coming out of slavery. Um, Nepal, we're doing the same thing. Um, it's, you could do that, conduitchurch.com. If you put it in Mission General Fund, we'll be able to see it there, or just put it, uh, especially if you're from out of town or whatever, like choose something on that list. Operation Freedom, Uganda, Haiti, whatever. We'll make sure 100% of it goes there. We're just super grateful that you trust us to be the conduit of uh, your generosity. Mo, how can they find us online for... Uh, prayer and things like that. Yeah, as always, uh, whether it's prayer or more information about what we're doing here at Conduit Church in Franklin, Tennessee, it's conduitchurch.com. You can find us find us on all of the different social media platforms uh, as long as um, those stay up <laughs> and, we, and we continue to use them. Um, but yeah, Conduit is an easy, uh, easy name to use and find across all those platforms. Okay. Uh, for sure, if you are wanting to make sure that your name is in the Lamb's Book of Life. I don't know who's listening to this. If you're listening to it, you know, December 2020, November of 2021, we don't know. Um, info at conduitchurch.com. We have people here that would love to pray for you. Uh, and if you just have something you just want us praying for, we can. it's private. We can make sure we have a... Donna leads a uh, mighty team of prayer warriors every Tuesday morning at our church, and I know they would pray for you by name uh, by that. So you can send that at info at conduitchurch.com. Thank you for your time. If you're in Nashville, we'd love to see you this Sunday. Of course, online, but in person. Um, 1642, Lewisburg Pike. We'd love to have you join us. So thank you, and we will see you, uh, hear from you, whatever, next week. 